Amen. Y'all ready to get in the Word this morning? Because I'm ready to get in the Word this morning. I hope you brought your Bibles. I hope you've got your notepads and pens. I hope you have your amens on the tip of your tongue because I want to hear them this morning because I believe that we are ushering into or we are being ushered into a mighty, powerful move like we've never seen before. Now, here's the thing. I need to start this statement. I need to start this sermon by prefacing with this. We have seen a lot of outpourings. We have heard a lot of stories, but we have never experienced what we're about to walk into in this hour. We have never experienced what God is about to. Pastor, I've experienced the power of God. You might have experienced the power of God, but you're about to experience the promise of God. And so last week we started this thing called the upper room. And this, this is funny because I just looked at my notes and I don't even have my notes this morning. Praise the Lord. Give me just a second. Yay, glory. Don't you love when that happens? Welcome to church at the house. Amen. I do have them. Watch this. Try to use technology and technology messes with you. So then you got to go old school and you got to pull the paper notes back out. Amen. Amen. So last week we discussed uh, the upper room and I was really trying to help you to understand that the upper room is a place that God is calling us, not just to visit, but a place that we dwell. Uh, the upper room is not a necessarily a physical location. The upper room is a place where you seek the face of God and see the face of God experience the power of God. It's a place where you and him commune, not just where you gravitate to in a public setting. It is a place where you go to him and wait on him. And so last week I discussed the importance of going to the upper room, that it is imperative in this hour that you and I make our way to the upper room. Uh, we dealt with the book of Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 4 through 8, and I'll read it to you just for context. It says, and being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for tr John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. That's, that's a powerful statement right there. You shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I see, what, seven days on my calendar right now. Uh, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you, somebody say me, me, shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Can I just take a sidebar? There's a lot of power manifested that has no Holy Spirit attached to it. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When I'm reading this context and I'm looking at this, uh, there's a couple of things that had jumped out to me even after Sunday, even after Friday. First of all, Jesus finished his assignment on the earth. Jesus died on the cross. That was his purpose. That's why God sent Jesus to the earth to die for the sins of many. And when Jesus had finished his mission and he had raised three days after he was buried and raised from the dead and he visited his disciples, he said, I'm finishing my assignment to the right hand of the Father. And he says, now that I'm leaving, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. Watch this. We have been crying out for years, for years in the church, God, send your spirit. Father, we need your spirit. And God's going, hey, I already did it. What are you waiting on? Why haven't you gotten it yet? I already sent it. Why are you telling me I didn't do it yet? I did it. When Jesus left, I sent it. The problem is you didn't go to the upper room and wait on it yet. You didn't take the time to put yourself away to go sit and wait until it came. You got mad, stormed out the room, and went and created your own spirit. And then called it me. And then you wondered why there was no power attached to it because it wasn't me. It was you. 
And God says, in this hour, I'm calling the people of God to go and put themselves away and wait for the promise. Could you imagine what the church would look like if the Holy Spirit really, really did what it was called to do? Could you imagine what a Sunday experience would be like? Could you imagine what our worship would sound like? Could you imagine what the move of God would feel like? Could you imagine the signs, miracles, and wonders? Oh, God, we're waiting on signs, miracles, and wonders. No, you need to go to the upper room and wait on the Holy Spirit so that the power can come upon you so that signs, miracles, and wonders can happen. But we've been saying, God, give us more, give us more, give us more. And God's going, what more do you need? I've already given it all. I've saved you from death, hell, and the grave. And then I sent the Holy Spirit, the comforter, to be with you, to walk with you, to lead you and guide you. And you're still crying out for more as if I didn't do it. God says, listen, enough's enough. I've already sent the promise. It's time for you to go get to the place so that you can wait on the promise. And so last week I said, listen, it's time for us to get ready. It's time for us to be prepared. Not ready to come home next week. Not ready to come to another church service. Not ready to get back to the normal. Not just another Sunday, but ready to encounter God like never before. To experience and dwell in his presence. To never look back and step with us as a family into the new season of outpouring, of power, of manifestation, of his glory, of signs, miracles, and wonders, of provision and promise. I'm waiting for the people online to shout. I still can't hear you. Because this next Sunday will be the launching pad for what I believe to be the greatest move of God the church has yet to see. I have been praying since I was a kid, God, I don't want to miss that move. I want to be a part of it. And I'm telling you, as far as I'm standing here, the breath in my body, I'm declaring this. We're about to see that move. But here's the truth of it. If you're not ready for it, you'll miss it. You can say, I don't want to miss it, but you can go off and do what you want to do and completely see it go by. So last week I talked to you about the importance of going to the upper room. How this, can't place, can't, this place can't be just another place of visitation, but it must become a dwelling place for each of us. It is a requirement if we want to be part of this move of God. It is a requirement. I, I need you to get that in your spirit. The upper room is not just a place that was reserved for the 120 that sat in the upper room and waited for the Holy Spirit to fall. The upper room is a type and, type and shadow of what we have to do as believers, that we have been called to be consecrated unto him. We have been called to reserve ourselves for him. We have been called to a place of prayer. We have been called to a place of waiting on him, waiting on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord, those who wait on the Lord, not those who sit and beg from the Lord, not those who sit who and cry and fuss and whine and complain about what they don't have. Those who wait on the Lord. He says, this is the time, this is what I'm needing from you as believers is to go and wait because there is a promise to come. What if I told you that the promise that is to come is bigger than any promise you could ask God for? Because the Bible says that when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive what? Power to do what? See, here it comes. Here it comes. This is the statement that's said to me all the time as a pastor. Pastor, I want God to use me. I, I want God to do a work in me and through me and, and use me as his vessel. Have you waited yet? Have you waited yet? Because here's the thing. Most people go, Pastor, I've waited. Okay, okay. I had a promise. I said this on Friday night. Let me say it again because some people didn't hear it. So let me say it again. I had a promise when I was younger to have a wife. God gave me that promise. He says, I shall be fruitful and multiply. 
He said, a man shall leave his mother and father and cleave unto his wife. I have a promise to have a wife. And, and, but I got to a point in my life as a young person, as a young adult, where I was a youth pastor and I was single and, and there was no wife. And, and I remember one night I was in my, in my apartment and I was on my face before God and I said, God, here's where I'm at. If you choose to give me a wife, I'll receive it. But God, the one thing I don't want to ever lose is you. So if you want me to be single the rest of my life, as long as I have you, I'll be okay. But without you, I cannot succeed. It wasn't three months after that that I found and met my wife wife. That was the promise for me. That was not a corporate promise. That was my promise. But let me tell you where that promise was birthed. That promise was birthed in a prayer time with me and God, me seeking the face of God and waiting. Because trust me, I could have just been like, oh, I think she's the one. Oh, I think she's the one. And let me be honest with you, before my wife, I did a lot of stupid things like that. Oh, I think she's the one. Oh, I think she's the one. I dated Delilah's and I dated Jezebel's, but I hadn't dated my wife yet. Because here's the truth of it. With the Delilah and the Jezebel, I didn't wait. With the Delilah and the Jezebel, I just decided to be the power rather than to wait for the power. Had no understanding that every promise that God had given me would be found in the confines of me marrying Tiffany and now having four beautiful children and having a home, going from homeless to having a home to not being without, but to having the things that we need in this lifetime and seeing the hand of God in the land of the living. Where did it come from? It came from a place called the upper room. So this morning, I want to give you four keys to the upper room experience, four, four keys that God's given me through the scripture in the book of Acts chapter one that will unlock your upper room experience. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. If you're not, amen. Because I believe that Acts chapter one has the keys to the promised encounter of the Holy Spirit that we're getting ready to experience. So go with me to the book of Acts chapter one, verse nine, book of Acts chapter one. Verse 9, this will be the first step. Now, now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Who are we talking about? We're talking about Jesus. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. The, one, the part of the scripture that I want to focus on for just a moment is, is when the two angels came down from heaven and said to them, men of Galilee, men, disciples, believers, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? Here's your number one key to experiencing the upper room. You can no longer be a bystander to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You can no longer watch it. You now have to particip participate in it. You can no longer say, man, that was good for them, but it's just not for me. You now have to say, if it's good for them, it's good for me. If it's good for him to pour it out, I'm going to go where I got to get to get it. We have got to stop being bystanders to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We have got to get in. We have got to get over our fears, our imaginations, our cynicism, our skepticism, and get in the water and enjoy what God is pouring out in this hour. He says, why are you standing, staring into the sky? Can I just say this to you? There are a lot of believers in the earth today that are staring in the sky waiting for the return and will be deaf to the trumpet sound because they are not in the right position to hear what's coming from heaven. Because the Bible says in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, and people might not agree, well, Pastor, I, think, I don't think that's the truth. No, I think that there are people that are so consumed with heaven that they have forgotten where they live on earth. 
They are so consumed with the end times. They are so consumed with Christ's return that they forgot the mission or never even listened to the mission. Well, you know, God, that's the mission for some people, not for me. Some people should go and preach the gospel. I'll just stand here and be a watchman. How many talents did he give you and how many did you bury? I'm just giving you scripture. Because I, I really believe what's going to happen in this hour is God's going to come collecting. <laughs> what did you do with what I gave you? Well, but God, I, I was scared of you. I, scared of me? Why were you scared of me? I took what you gave me and I hid it in the sand because I, I knew it'd be better for me to bring you what you gave me. He said you'd been better to just give it a run for everything it had and see what multiplied through it. Okay, give me back what you got because I'm going to display it over here because I believe this with all of my heart. I believe that we're going to see the outpouring of God into things that we've never seen before. We're going to see people be blessed that we've never seen blessed before. But God's going to say, because I'm going to award those who, who did for me without the spotlight, who did for me without the show, who did for me without having to be seen and said, I'll bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Uh, my soul will make its boast in the Lord, not in what I did, not who I am, not my title, not my position, not in the church but in the streets in the city in my neighborhood in my neighbor's house i will do something greater and that will be my reward because i will have done what he asked me to do we have got to stop staring into heaven hoping heaven will return this is the most stupidest statement and i'm gonna say it just like that don't get offended but i get mad when people say i can't wait to go to heaven it drives me nuts i just i just i just i'm just ready to go just can't wait to go can I just say that to you? The people who say that, don't get mad. The people who say that dumb statement are people who refuse to do what God called them to do here on earth. They want the benefits of heaven without the work here on earth. And God says, while I gave you breath in your body and a physical body, I told you to go ye therefore into all the world and preach the good news. Stop looking into heaven, looking for the outcome of heaven if you won't bring heaven to earth. Because that is nothing more than a continuation of the party that should be going on here. But we have gotten our minds so set on revelations that we forgot Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We have removed the gospel for the party at the end. And God says, you can't have the party without the gospel. You can't be a bystander anymore. Oh, I, I, I'm, not sure if I understand. I'm not sure if I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> And you must not want Jesus or God either. Because you can't have one without the other. Uh, okay, can, can I just, can I say this? I'm, I might get stuck at point one and we might have to finish this next week. I don't know. Uh, th this is what I keep seeing. Uh, we like the idea of a father because we live in a fatherless generation. Fatherless culture. We like the idea of a father. We like the idea of the elder brother. Because it's easy to tell the elder brother no or to dismiss him because he's just a brother. If you not realize what I'm talking about, I'm talking about God and Jesus. But then he sent the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the thing you can't get away from. <laughs> and we've dismissed the Holy Spirit as the wacky, crazy part. Well, I, don't, I don't want to preserve myself to that. When you start preaching the gospel and you start saying that the Holy Spirit fell and it danced like cloves of fire on top of the heads and they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues. That's what your Bible says. And that is not Old Testament. That is New Testament. And then you have denominations now that sit in their churches and go, eh, that's for the days of old. Are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? For the days of old? For the days of old. Then you must want to die in the Old Testament in the wilderness and not walk into the promise that he's given us. 
Because you can't, you, you might have to walk through the Old Testament, but you're going to have to walk through the New Testament to get to Revelations. So if the promise is what you're looking for, there is a thing that comes in the middle of that. There is a thing that comes in the process of that, and that is the gifts of the Spirit. And you've got to be, you've got to in this moment say, I will not just watch everybody open gifts, but I'm going to open mine now. And I'm going to partake of what's been given to me because I'm not going to miss what this outpouring looks like. And if that means i got to get over myself, break off my pride, be a little foolish, lose my mind, to myself and find my mind in Christ, then that's what I'll do because I will no longer look and go, I wish I could get in. I wish I, wish I could be a part. That'd be, that'd be fun. I, I, I just want to be a part. God's going, what you waiting on? There's, there's not a turnstile to get into this thing. You just got to go. Step one, you got to stop being a bystander. Stop! 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 Being skeptical about the move of God. Well, I just don't. I just don't know. I just, I just don't know. I just. I don't. I don't know why they lift their hands. I don't. I don't know why they pray in the spirit. I just. I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. Maybe you should start praying for understanding. Maybe you should asking, start asking God to reveal it to you, to give you a desire. For the Bible says that we should desire spiritual gifts. That means we should pursue them. That God says these are things I've given you. You should want them. Why do we just want heaven? I want heaven on earth. Can I just say this to you? I think the gifts of the Spirit are a demonstration of heaven on earth. And I want it now. I don't want to wait till later because I want the party. I want the party in heaven to just be the after party of what I did here. Because I really believe for those of us that will go to the upper room, those of us that will put ourselves away, those of us that will position ourselves for the next move of God, when we get to heaven, it will be like nothing shifted. We just finally got to see God face to face. As opposed to, wow, I've, I've never been here before. I want to walk in and go, God, I've never seen this before, but this feels like home. It's time that we stop being bystanders. Stop sitting around just watching from a distance. And then it goes backwards for just a second in Acts chapter 1. In verse 4, it said, Jesus said to him, and said, and being assembled together with him, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Okay. Here's number two, key number two. Your obedience to his instruction is mandatory. Your obedience to his instruction is mandatory. Now, I'm going I'm to go here because this is the tough part. This is the part that nobody wants me to talk about. How many things has God told you to do that you haven't done yet? And you keep crying out for more. God says, I cannot pour out more until you've done what I've told you to do. God says, I need you to do A, B, and C. But God, I don't want to do A, B, and C. I want to do B. God says, that's not what I instructed you to do. I said A, B, and C. But God, I don't like A and C. I just want B. I get you just want B because B is comfortable to you, but A and C will stretch you. And if you would be willing to go through A, B, and C, you'll actually be more of a reflection of who I am than a reflection of you are. And being assembled together with him, he commanded them to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. And in verse 12, he goes on and says, then they, it says they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. Now, do you understand that the disciples could have run away? There was persecution in the earth at that time. Gee, anybody that was a follower of Christ was being persecuted at that moment. And they could have been like, I'm out. Jesus is gone. We did our part. We did our, we, we were part of the 12. We're good. Let's roll. They could have, could, have, could have just run away. They could have gone back to their old lives. They could have fleed persecution. They could have disappeared. They could have gone back to being fishers rather than fishers of men. But Jesus said, I need you to do this for me. I need you to go. I need you to gather everybody up. I need you to go into the upper room. I need you to wait for the promise of the Father. You know what the funny thing is? He never really defines a timeline. 
He never gives a space of expectation to a time or an experience. He just says, go and wait. There's a promise coming, and when it comes, you'll receive power. Hey, come on, work with me. How do we, do, how do we treat God today? Hey, hey, Brian, I need you to go and pray. Till when, God? How long? Should I pray for an hour because that's what the disciples did in the Garden of Gethsemane and, and you got mad at them because they wouldn't even pray for an hour, so I don't want to make you mad, so I'm going to go pray for an hour because I don't want you to be upset with me. Uh, God, how long do you want me to pray for? How, how, what, how, many, how, many, how many prayers? Who do you want me to pray for? How do you, how do you, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Look, look, at, look at when Jesus is at the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, here, wait here and pray. Why was he saying that? Then he goes and he dies and he tells the disciples again, wait here and pray. <laughs> Are you, are you catching this? He's saying, wait here and pray. Stop putting a time limit to what I want to do. Stop putting an expectation to your atmosphere of what I want to do, but let me move how I choose to move. You must be obedient to his instruction. If God says pray for somebody, pray for them. If God says do this, do this. If God says do that, do that. If God says serve, serve. If God says jump and bark like a dog, you better jump and bark like a dog. Why? Because God said it. And I would rather jump up and bark like a dog and have all of you think I have lost my mind than me to sit here and be ignorant to his instruction, not realizing that he wanted to use me as a vessel and he just wanted to see if I'd be obedient. Maybe, just maybe, we got to get over ourselves. Can I just say this to you? The pride in the church, and I feel this under the unction of the Holy Spirit right now, the pride in the church is about to be broken and those who refuse will miss out. What do you mean by pride, Pastor? What do you mean by pride? I mean your ego gets in the way of your God. I mean you feel more important to do what you want to do rather than do what God tells you to do. I will lose it all to gain Christ. I will not. I refuse to adapt myself to the conformities of anyone's opinion over God's. He said, you must be obedient. Look what the word says about obedience. I'm going to give you a few scriptures real quick. You can write them down and go back and read them later. The book of Exodus, chapter 19, verse 5, it says, 5 and 6, it says this. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Let me give you another one. Jeremiah, chapter 7, verse 23, it says this. But this is what I commanded them, saying, obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people and walk in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. Just in case you're not getting it, let me give you another one. First Samuel chapter 15, verse 22 and 23. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of the rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. My God. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. Pastor, come on, where's the grace and love? Can I just say it the way I said it yesterday morning when we were in our prayer time? It is amazing to me how the church has created a throne of grace and mercy, but completely removed the throne of judgment. Because nobody wants God to be a judging God. He just wants to be a grace and mercy God. And God says, but you can't have grace and mercy without my judgment. I'll give you one more just for the sidebar. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 13 through 15, it says, And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, 
which I command you today to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, then, then I will give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain your new wine and your oil, and I will send grass in your fields for your livestock that you may eat and be filled. Let me, can I just sit here for just a second? Obedience will bring provision you can't even see. The word is very clear that out of obedience, the hand of God moves. But for some reason, we choose disobedience and still ask God to love us as obedient children. I have kids, and I'll never stop loving my kids even when they're disobedient. But when they're disobedient, can I tell you how I feel as a dad? I feel like they don't reciprocate the love. I feel like they don't respect me as their father as the one, as the provisionary and the protector of the house. Now, granted, when they get older, they'll become, my boys will become the provisionary protectors of those, their homes. And I hope and pray that I do a good enough job raising them so that they can do a great job of that. But let me be honest with you. I am the provision. And so when there's not obedience to what I ask, and, and, and don't get twisted, I'm not some crazy guy who runs around barking orders and telling them to, you know, go paint the whole house and, you know, build me a new house in the backyard. And if you don't know, I'm, I, pick up your room. Hey, amen. Take your trash to the trash can. I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Clean the bathroom. Praise the Lord. Thank you. I don't want to clean up your mess. Okay. And then when there's disobedience, there's zero provision. Can I give you the story real quick? My kids get allowance at home. And yes, I'm, I'm old school. I believe in chores and allowance. I do not believe in allowance just for the fun of it. Oh, let's give my kid money. You better teach them work ethic. Because the Bible says a man who doesn't work doesn't eat. So, so I'm teaching my big ones right now to work. And so, so I, I, the other day they came to me and they said, Dad, it's, it's Monday. Can I, get my, can I get my allowance? And I, and I just asked them. I said, did you do the work? Well, 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 no. How can you come to me and ask for provision without the work? Okay, Pastor, where are you going with this? It's the same thing we do to God. We go to God and say, God, can you give me greater provision? And God says, did you do what I asked? God, can you give me a greater outpouring? Did you do what I asked? But God, you, but, but it's, it's paycheck time. Oh, so you want me to be the boss. You don't want me to be the loving father. You don't want me to be God. You want me to be the boss. If I become the boss, you might just get fired. But I wasn't put in that role. I was put in to be God. But you're asking for something new without. Now, listen, I'm not saying that without works, you know, the Bible says without works, it's impossible to please God. You show me your faith with works. Without works, I'll show you my faith with works. We'll see who comes out in the end. But there's this problem here in the church where, where we as believers do not obey what God commands. We create alternate scenarios to what he commanded us to do and call it the will of God. Well, I'm in the will of God. What, what are you doing? Well, he, no, he told me to do this, but I felt like this was a better avenue. But I can't seem to make it work. Because you have stepped outside of the obedience factor in the things of God. And God says, I'm calling you to obedience. Do you understand that God made you, created you, designed you for structure? Yeah. He created you to be an obedient person, not a disobedient person. Disobedient is sin. Oh, okay, can I, do I need to read it to you again? Well, the Bible says that rebellion is a sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is iniquity and idolatry. Hello. Hello. I, that's what your word says. That, that, that when I choose to be disobedient, it says under witchcraft. Because I have chosen to make myself more important than the God that I serve. I have now become my own idol. And I serve my own purpose. Rather than his. Number two is to 
be obedient to his instruction. It goes on in that same chapter of book of Acts, chapter 1 and verse 14. It says, then they all continued with one accord. And this is what God really laid upon my heart, was that you need to stop doing life by yourself. Jesus could have called one disciple, but he called 12. Then by the time he was done, there were many disciples, for disciples defined as a follower of Christ. There were many. In fact, 120 went to the upper room for, I think, 49 days and sought the face of God. 120. It wasn't the original, just the original 12. It was 120. There is something powerful when we start doing life together. The word, the, 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 the statement of one accord is defined as this, to come together agreeing or agreeing or in pursuit of the same result. Time out. Time out. I always have held on to that scripture that says, forsake not the gathering of the brethren in one accord. What does that statement refer to? Don't mistake or don't miss out on the gathering in the house of God when we can all come together as believers and worship him in spirit and in truth. Don't miss it because that's some powerful stuff. You, that, you should never dismiss that. And so I, I'm reading this and I'm looking at this and I'm going, but wait a minute. We don't come together always agreeing and we don't come in pursuing the same result. Okay, I'm going to give you a shifting in the church that I believe God's about to do. This is not about friendship and buddies and feel-goods. This is about one thing, to serve the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. There is one purpose. And if all of us, every believer decides to follow that one purpose, we will fall right in line with what he wants us to do in the churches that we're in and have the space for us to do what he has called us to do, and then all of us can do it in one accord. But the problem in the church today is everyone is chasing spotlights. No one's chasing the toilet brush. Everyone's chasing to have titles, and no one. I don't even like my own title because the title doesn't qualify the, what I do. If my pastor said this to me years ago, he said, he said, Brian, if you weren't this pastor, would you still go to church? Duh. Would you serve in the church? Yeah. Probably more than I serve already. Because I wouldn't be the pastor. I'd be a member to serve the, the fluid flow of the move of God that's happening in that church to line up with where that church is going and be a part of that ushering in of the presence and the power of God to serve. Yes, I will pick up a toilet brush. But for some reason, it's amazing to me, and I'm going to say it, and I'm not. You want to find out where church folk are real quick? Call a house cleaning day. Just saying it. You want to find, oh, pastor, I'll serve. I'm pastor, whatever you need, I'll serve. Hey, we're having a cleaning day. Ah, I got things on my schedule. I got things to do. I, I, I got places to be. There's, there's, there's Martha's and there's Mary's. There's ones who get distracted and ones who stay in their purpose. You'll have to read that one later. That's a whole other message. But you got to stop doing life by yourself. Do you understand what happens when we come in? Man, yesterday we had, we had a, we had a pre-meeting for May 31st for the volunteers that are going to be serving on that Sunday. And, and I was able to share with them some things that just the plans and all the, what, what all's going on and, and get them ready and, and, and what was amazing to me is I walked in the room and the sound of people just talking, just loving on each other. It was like music to my ears. 
I felt more empowered in that moment than I've felt for the last two and a half months. I didn't know what to do. I wanted to run around the room. I wanted to scream, buck, and shout. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I, I wanted to hug every neck, but knew I couldn't get to every neck as quick as I wanted to, and I had to get to the meeting, but, but I, just, I just wanted to stand here and listen because I could hear the strength in the room. There wasn't fear. There wasn't doubt. There wasn't worry. God's on the throne. God, we're coming back. We're coming back better than ever. We're coming back stronger than ever. I, I could hear the sound, and I just, I, I was like, God, this is what it should be about. We all came together on yesterday morning in one accord. We all came together with the same purpose, the same mindset, that we're coming back on May 31st so that the Spirit of God might manifest in a way that it's never manifested or that we've never seen before, that we might experience the fullness of the glory of God, that we might be used according to His purpose purpose, that we might become vessels of glory and honor, that we might. It's amazing to me what it sounds like when we're all on the same page, but we've got to get off our pages and get on his page. Well, we've got to, can I just say this? And and I've got to be very careful how I say this, but I want to say this because I feel like it needs to be said for not for this, not in this house, but for every church in the country. If you cannot allow your pastor to lead you to that house, get out the house. Because you will never be on the same page. And you will be frustrated and you will be aggravated. I would rather you find the right house with the right page than you to be in this house on the wrong page and us go two different ways. And it's not because it's about me. I'm seeking the face of God every day, day and night, asking God, what is the next phase? What, God, I'm not moving my toe till you tell me to move it. It's not so you can see me. It's so that we can finish this race together. If you're watching this and you go to another church, I'm going to challenge you to support your pastor, to pray for your pastor, and to walk with your pastor. Why? Because if we do it together in one accord, we'll accomplish much more than we do if we're two going two different directions. Could you imagine what would have happened when Jesus told them to go to the upper room and one disciple would have been like, eh, Jesus, I appreciate it, but I'm, I'm good. What would have happened? What kind of discord would have happened? What kind of tension would have happened? But they heard from Jesus and they said, okay, look, you know, maybe we were a little concerned about some persecution, but let's be honest. Jesus gave the commandment. We've seen him do a lot of crazy stuff. We're going to go ahead and head up to that upper room. In this hour, we've got to march as a unit, not as two different individuals, as two different visions. You've got to come alongside the vision of the house or whatever church you're a part of so that we can accomplish it together, so that you don't have to do it by yourself, but we can do it together as a family. They all continued with what? One accord. One accord. One agreement. One pursuit of the same result. Matthew 18, 20 says it like this. For where two or three are gathered together in one accord, in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 through 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Can I just say this to you? The assignment that God gives you in the earth, is not to glorify you. 
The assignment that God gives you in the earth is not only to glorify him, but to edify, encourage, strengthen, and challenge others. It is to lift them up. It is not so that you can be put on a plaque as the best volunteer in the church. It is not so that you can have a special parking space. It is not so that you can be grandstanded on the platform for all of your great deeds. It is so that others might be touched by the presence and the power of God. Get out of the way so God can become the way. Somebody said, Pastor, we ought to do a billboard one year. I think you ought to put your face on it. No, that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. Why? Because I am not the face of the house of God. He is. And if I put my face on it, then what I'm telling you is come see me. Don't go see God. My prayer every Sunday is that God, help them don't see Brian. Help them to see and hear you. Help them to get off of the the spotlights of these bright cans every Sunday and help them to hear what you would speak to them, like you've been speaking to me all week long. Help Help me to be a reflection of you, but two are better than one. Your vision cannot be accomplished by yourself. Let me prove it. I can't be a pastor without people. We talk about this in staff. Without people, there is no church. Without people, there is no pastoralship. What was Pastor Blaine going, Pastor Ben and Katie going to keep, and Chastity going to keep leading the room? Just empty chairs? Look, we're worship pastors. No, you're not. You're singers. Let's be honest. You're musicians. Without people in the room to declare the gospel to, I'm nothing more than a motivational speaker to a bunch of empty chairs. Trying to convince the chairs to get up and go. You can't do, you can't accomplish your vision by yourself, so stop trying. Well, God gave me this vision, and if and if if the pastor doesn't see it, then I'm just gonna leave the church. Do you know that's a lie from the enemy? Because what he's saying is if I can get them isolated, I'll completely rob them of their destination. If I can isolate them and think that make them think that no one sees them or that it's never gonna come to pass and that the pastor doesn't see them, then I will remove them from their calling, and then those that were going to come to Christ through them will have to go a different route. And so I'm going to create a spirit of isolation. The problem is, is that when we have something from God, a lot of times we're not willing to wait on God till it comes. Okay, we started the church. I stepped down from being a youth pastor, and I waited four months before I did anything. Man, I wanted to go from this point to this point that fast. I wanted to go from stepping out of being a youth pastor to starting to build a new church. But God says, no, you got to wait four months. And then I waited four months, and then I started having prayer meetings in my house once a week, just inviting a few people in. God, this is, this is crazy. Finances went down. Things didn't look the way I wanted them to. We had to change a lot of the scenarios in our existence. Things didn't go the way we wanted to look. They didn't look the way that we wanted them to look. Everything was changing, but yet God still had a promise, but I still had to wait. It's been 15 years, and I still haven't seen the full manifestation of all the promise. There are words that God has sent people to give to Tiff and I that we haven't even seen come to pass yet or still don't even know the full fruit of it, but I still have a promise. But can I be honest with you? Every promise that God has given us over the last 15 years had people involved with it. It was never a promise for Brian and Tiffany it always had people attached to it. Your promise will always have people attached to it because there is greater strength in numbers than there is by yourself. The book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 4, verse 12 says, Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a 3 4 cold is not quickly broken. What he's trying to say is, listen, 
You can't do this thing by yourself. Jesus didn't tell one disciple, didn't pick the choice disciple to go to the upper room all by himself. He said, listen, I need all of y'all to go. Because I need there to be, I need there to be power in numbers. You got 120 people in a room. We don't even know how big that room was, but I guarantee it wasn't that big. 49 days, sweating, stinging. There was no AC. You don't even know what time of season of the year it was. So you, I'm just going to go for the worst. It's body odor, all kinds of funkiness going on. Look, we can't even have a prayer meeting half the time and get people to pray for an hour. 49 days they were in prayer. 49 days they were in prayer. And they didn't have a timeline for anything. They just said, we'll pray until whatever. What if it had been 72 days? What if it had been six years? What if it had been 40 years? We don't even know. But they went because they had a promise, and they put themselves away. And can you imagine the encouragement that was happening in the room while they walked around and prayed? Because one in the room got a little tired. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's come on. Link up with me. Come on. We'll pray together. We'll pray together because we can't make this without, our, without each other. So come on. I don't want you to miss it, and I don't want me to miss it. So come on. Let's go. We're going to do this together. Could you imagine what the sound was like? Because I'm sure there was weariness at moments. 49 days in the prayer in a prayer room? Come on. 49 days in a prayer room. 49 days. It's enough just to get people to come to church on Sundays. 49 days in a prayer room. It's enough to get people to come to church on time on Sundays. 49 days in a prayer room. And yet they kept praying and there was encouragement because the strength in each other helped each other through the process. Stop trying to do this thing on your own and understand that there is power in numbers. Let me get to the next part. This is the last part and this is the one I need you to hold on to. In verse 14 it says, these all continued with one accord in what? In prayer and in supplication. It goes on and says with the woman and Mary the mother of Jesus with his brothers. Okay. So step four, okay. so step one was what? Step one was stop being a bystander. Step two was what? Uh, see, now I got to go look at my notes. Amen. Step two was you must become obedient to his instruction. Step three, you can't keep doing it alone. Step four, here it comes. Here it comes. Ready? Prayer and supplication till he comes. <laughs> Prayer and supplication till he comes. Prayer and supplication till he comes. Not complaining, whining, and moaning. Not mumbling. Uh, prayer and supplication until he comes. Prayer and supplication until he comes. 120 were in the upper room for seven weeks. Seven weeks. Prayer and supplication. Now, you know somebody got tired. But in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I have always been a fervent believer that when I get tired of praying is when I should pray more. <laughs> you ever been to prayer time and you start to pray and you're like, I ain't got nothing left. Push. Push. You ever heard that statement? Push. Pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. And somebody said, oh, I think it should be praise until something happens. No, there's enough shouting. There's not enough praying. Pray until something happens. Because here's what prayer is. Prayer is communication with God. That means I'll speak, you'll li and I'll listen as well. I will pray until something happens. I've got to push my way in. And Matthew chapter 21, verse 22, it says, And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you receive. That, that right there should make you get up and run around your house right now. It should make you get up and run around your room. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Believing in what? Believing in what you want? No. Believing that the Father loves you enough to give you what you need. And whatever things you ask in prayer, somebody used to change this and go, yes, as long as you believe for what you want, you'll get it. Man, I've been disappointed one too many times then. Because there's a lot of things I wanted that God says you can't have. 
But I thought, I, I, I thought, well, God, you love me. You'll give it to me. God says, but if I loved you, I'd keep that from you because I love you too much to put that mess in your life. And whatever things you ask in prayer, can I just be honest with you? If you're really praying, you're not asking the will of yourself. You're asking the will of the Father. So you'll stop asking for stupid things. Oh, God, I, I, feel, like, I feel like I just need to pray for this six-bedroom, seven-bath house. Dummy, you can't even keep your bedroom clean. And you want a six-bedroom house? I can't even get you to pay the rent, your rent where you're living on on time now. But God, if you loved me, you'd give it to me. I do love you. And I love you enough to give things to you in proper season, not out of season that would kill you. Oh, God, I want, God, I'm going to go to the big car lot. I'm going to claim a Mercedes. But you couldn't afford the, the tax on that car, much less the oil change. But, but God, if you love me, you'd stop it. You didn't ask for my will. The will of God would be, I'm going to give you a car that'll get you from point A to point B and make sure that you're taken care of in the process. The will of God would say, I'm going to give you a house that you can handle, that you can build a home in, that you can love your kids, that you'll not be encumbered by things and rooms that you don't can't fill, but you'll be encumbered by the presence of me in the house that you live, and you'll be able to love your wife and love your kids, and you'll have a house, a family of God. Amen. But, but God, give me what I want. Stop it. Whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you'll receive. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 8 says this. I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere. What? Yeah. Say what? I desire, therefore, that men pray when? Everywhere. Where? Everywhere. And then what does he say? Lifting up what? Holy, Holy hands. I don't want to lift up. I don't like this part. He said, do it. He said, I desire, I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Okay, so let me give these to you real quick. If you want to experience the next move of God, really, in all honesty, it's not the next move of God. It's the move of God that's been here all the time. We're just finally awake to see it now. If you want to experience the move of God, the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit that's to come, the power, the receiving of that power, you can no longer stand on the outside looking in. We are done window shopping in the church. Amen. Number two, you must be obedient to his instruction. Be obedient. If he says it, just do it. Shut up about it and do it. Stop. You're missing it. You are postponing the next season of your life with disobedience. Stop it. Just do it. Serve the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Do it now. Stop waiting. Well, give him a little bit. No, give him everything. I want my marriage to be whole. Good. Give him your marriage. Well, I just want to hold on to this one piece. No, give him your whole thing. Give him all of it. Number three, stop doing this thing by yourself. I don't care what vision you think you have. The vision that God gives you will always be attached to others. It will not be attached for you. I love it when preachers come to me and go, I have this vision. God gave me a vision to make me money. I can't find any vision that God gave in Scripture that did not attach itself to the blessing of other people. To the strengthening, encouraging, edifying other people. Look, even when Jesus preached hard, he was still about other people. 
He wasn't like, hey, let me come to the earth so I can make my name great. He said, no, I'm about my father's business. He didn't even claim title in that mix of things. Yes, he said, I am the ones that they say that I am. I am the Messiah. I have come, but I didn't come because I sent myself. I came because my father sent me. I'm about my daddy's business. I'm, I'm here to do some big things, and, and I'm going to die for the sins of many, and, and I'm going to bring restoration to people back to the Father. I'm going to bring restoration of people back to the Father, not myself to the right hand of the throne. I'm going to bring people home to God. And the Holy Spirit comes. Why? So that he might comfort, lead, guide, and direct people. You can't fulfill your vision on your own. I couldn't. It's great to have a vision of a church, but without people, it's just a room. And number four, prayer and supplication until he comes. Prayer and supplication until he comes. I found myself over the last few weeks praying in moments that I normally would have disregarded. Last night, I, my son, my, I think like three of my kids are going through growing pains right now. All my kids, I swear, are going to be tall. Maybe not Asher, but the rest of them, I swear they're going to be tall. And, and Judah comes in the room probably like 2 in the morning. Says, dad, can I get some medicine? My legs are really hurting. And so I, you know, I do the dad thing, right? Do that thing. Go to the back, go to the kitchen, get out the motion, give him a little motion. Here you go, buddy. All right, I'm half asleep. I'm a little, little, can't really see straight. And I took two steps out of the kitchen. I said, brother, you're good? He's like, yeah, that'll be okay. I took two steps, and I'm literally two steps out the kitchen, and God goes, really? You're done? Hey, Bob, come here. Right, my arms around him. I just prayed God to heal him. And he said to me, he said, Dad, they really hurt. I said, I know. Just go in there, put your, prop your legs up. You'll be fine. He fell asleep like five minutes. I, I, I found myself, was it, uh, my daughter, Love, came in the other room the other day, and she was hurting. Something had happened. She'd fallen hitting her hand or something. And, Dad, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. And I'm looking at him like, okay, it's really not that serious. You're being, you're being dramatic. Like, cut it out. And then God said to me, he says, pray for it anyway. I said, come here, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. Uh, I pray a prayer with my kids every night before they go to bed. And, and, and the, the prayer that we pray is, um, is it's, it's kind of repetitive because they're little. I'm trying to get them to be in the, in the mindset of prayer at night. And, and um at the very end, we say, these, we say these words, Jesus, I love you, I worship you, and I thank you for loving me. And every time I go to the end of the prayer, I will say, in Jesus' name, thinking they're going to repeat it. And my kids go, I'll just go, amen. <laughs> just, let's get to the end of it. And the other night, Asher looked at me, and I said, in Jesus' name, and he just looked right in the face, he goes, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm finding that there is a thread that is consistent now in my home. It is a weaving of that thread that is pulling things together. I have prayed, and I hate, God, I hate to say this, I have prayed more for my family in the last two and a half months than I think I've prayed in 15 years. I have laid my family on the altar of incense and I have sought God for my family. God, I don't want to do anything you don't want to do with them. 
So help me to be better, to be a better father, a better husband. Prayer and supplication, prayer and waiting, prayer and patience. I believe that when we pray, God hears. And I believe he moves when we pray. And so out of all four of these, can't be a bystander, must be obedient to his instructions, stop doing it by yourself. I feel like prayer and supplication is like one of the biggest factors here. A lifestyle of prayer, not a moment of prayer. The church shouldn't have to call a prayer meeting, we should be prayer people. I shouldn't have to call a special moment for the church to pray. We should just have a desire to pray. Why? It's not because it's a specific, it's a waste of my time or I have to give up space. No, God, this is just me and you talking. This is me and you coming together. This is me and you communing. This is me and you growing. This is me and you, God. I want to be better with you, so I want to pray. Well, Pastor, what do you mean? I got I to pray for three hours? No, can you just acknowledge that he's in the doggone room? Can you just talk to him like he's sitting next to you? Not like you have to go with a special key and unlock a door. He said he's omnipresent. He's right there. Talk to him. But let him in. Let him move. Let him touch. So here's my challenge to you as we step out of this Sunday, seven days away till we come home. I will tell you for me, starting Tuesday, I'm going to start fasting and praying for this next Sunday. I'm not asking you to do it. I'm challenging you to do it. I'm not telling you what to fast or how to fast, but I'm asking you to consecrate, put yourself away to a place of prayer and supplication. And in your prayer time, I'm going to ask that you ask God to help you to no longer be a bystander. I'm going to ask that in that prayer time, you ask God to help you be more obedient to his voice. And I'm going to ask you in that time to ask God to give you a heart for people. For people. Not for church members. For people. And we'll do this through a place called prayer and supplication. God has given me a mandate as to what I'm supposed to do. And you don't need to know because the Bible says to go and do it yourself and not make a big deal of it. God's given me an assignment and that assignment is very tough. <laughs> very tough. I know my wife's going to watch this later. She's going, well, what did God tell you? You'll find out. But God gave me an assignment. I said, God, that's, whoa, that's heavy. And that's what he told me. He says, if you want what you're believing for, you'll do what I tell you to do. I said, okay. It is time that the church stop attending, stop just showing up and doing the same old thing but that we really become Christ followers so that we can receive this promise that he's had there for us all along. It's time to put yourself away. I want to challenge you right now to just this next seven days. I'm starting mine Tuesday morning. I'll just tell you, if you'll start Tuesday morning, you'll be good. But Tuesday morning, I want you to run after it like you never have. Open your word. Get in your word. Let God speak. Go to your prayer time. Let God go to your worship time. Let God speak. And ask him, God, do these things. Help me to not be an onlooker or a bystander. Help me to be obedient to your instruction. And God, help me to have a heart for people so I stop trying to fulfill the vision that you've given me by myself.
watch what he does. It's time that you and I step to the next level. I promise you, we will never be the same again. I thank God for the last two and a half months. But now I'm ready to march forward. I'm ready. I hope you are. Go to your upper room this week and let God speak to you. Because I promise he will if you'll push, if you'll pray until something happens. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, help us never get to a place where we say that word is not for us. But that just because we choose to believe you and trust your word, we'll do what you say. Father, it's my prayer that over these last two weeks, they haven't heard Brian speak. They've heard your cry out to them. So get ready. Get ready. The sirens are sounding. On that Sunday, the trumpet will blow. And we will usher in that power that was promised to us. But God, help us to not just do another five or six days of me, 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 me. But to really press in to you so that you can do what you've always wanted to do in us and through us. Father, I pray that your anointing would so fill every home this week, every person this week. I pray that your peace would manifest. Pray that exceeding abundant joy would overtake each person. Father, I declare and decree in the name of Jesus that God, you are coming with a mighty sound. And God, I'm believing that on this next Sunday, we will hear the roar a mighty rushing wind. That will be the sound that we know. You not only hear with us, but that the promise has come. And that we are ready to receive it. For everyone under the sound of my voice, Father, I declare right now peace and joy, provision and protection. Abundance, prosperity, increasing faith, boldness like lions. Father, let us be prepared for what's to come. 